Your Working Life, a show that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a career and executive coach, and today I welcome Don Tassone to the show. Don will talk about his journey from the corporate world to that of a fiction writer and the lessons learned through the characters he developed. Don, welcome to the show. Good morning, Caroline. It's a pleasure to be with you. I am so excited to chat with you today. And as I was sharing earlier, right before the pre-show, I am halfway through your extraordinary book called Drive. But I want to bring our audience back a bit because fiction writing is somewhat new to you. You had a prolific corporate career. And I want you to take us back and tell us what it was like working specifically at Procter & Gamble. Sure. Well, uh, just as as background for your audience, I live in uh, Loveland, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cincinnati. And I've lived in the Cincinnati area most of my life. My wife, Liz, and I live here in the house where we raised our four kids. Uh, I have a degree in English from Xavier University here in Cincinnati. And I joined P&G right out of college. I spent my career there in public relations roles. And I retired from there as a vice president in 2011. Uh, I am enjoying a very active retirement now, which includes uh, teaching and writing, among other things. So life is very good. And uh, as far as the transition goes, um, you know, it was very tough initially. Uh, I mean, overnight I went from uh, a world where I had developed deep mastery and uh, where I had a lot of responsibility and a fair amount of influence to a world where my only direct report is Charlie, my dog, who's sitting next to me, and he really doesn't mind me very well. (laughs) Uh, And I had been on a a treadmill for for 31 years, and I needed time to decompress and to learn how to to live without having every minute scheduled, how to to relax again. Um, None of my friends had retired. Most of them are are working even now, so I felt a little bit guilty about my good fortune. Uh, but I had thought a lot about retirement uh, before I retired, well before I retired, and, and I had decided not to jump in anything too soon. Um, I decided to give myself some time and some space and uh, not continue working like as a consultant, for example. I wanted to do something new. I just didn't know what that was. So after a while, I began to unwind, and uh, my natural interest began to emerge, and one of those uh, was writing. Um, it had always been an interest. Um, and uh, it had always been a big part of my job at P&G. Um, and so I thought writing creatively would be a layup for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Written about 10 million words, I estimated. Uh, but I quickly learned that writing memos and writing short stories are two different, very different things. And uh, I tried to write a couple of short stories. I shared them with a few people. And the consensus was they weren't very good. <laughs> um, one person told me they read like a memo. Uh, so I realized I needed some training. So a few... Summers ago, I went away to a week-long writing workshop in a place called New Harmony, Indiana, which you're probably... I am very familiar with, yes. Not far from you, not far from Evansville, Indiana, a beautiful place. And I learned how to write creatively again. Uh, I had written so efficiently for so many years, and uh, writing more expansively was really a challenge for me. It's like learning a a foreign language. but I love to write, and I love to try new things. And, and right after the workshop, I began writing short stories uh, and getting them published. Uh, my first short story collection uh, called Get Back was published this past March. And my first novel, uh, Drive, which you're making your way through, um, was published just last month. Um, 
I'm now seeking a publisher for my second short story collection. I've begun work on a second novel. But the point is, none of this happened overnight. I needed time to not only decompress from a, a very busy corporate career, but also rediscover what I really love and then to get good at it again. Well, you are the quintessential uh, example of career reinvention, Don. I absolutely love that because you're not uh, you're not sitting still in your retirement. You're flexing different muscles and you're engaging strengths in different ways. But let's talk about drive because you and I have a common denominator experience in that uh, it, we were and or are because I think it's for me is a constant struggle recovering workaholics. And you really talk about this so eloquently in drive. Uh, because the experience of the central character comes from some of the experiences you've had at Procter & Gamble. Right. Yeah, they sure do. This this comes directly out of my experience. Um, the story is about uh, a man named Nick Reynolds. Uh, he's a very successful food company executive, but he's also a bully. Mm. And uh, he's feared by his employees. He's estranged from his wife and his two grown children. And um, he has a blow up at work uh, just before Memorial Day, and his boss orders him to take the summer off and to sort himself off, sort himself out. Um, he's pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> Sets off uh, alone from his home in Chicago for Bar Harbor, Maine, and, and drive. The novel is the story of what he experiences and what he learns, and what he chooses along the way. Um, in my career, I knew hundreds of men like Nick Reynolds. They were successful men um, who struggled with society's expectations of them and their own self-identity, uh, men who were burned out, uh, who had lost their way. And and I will admit there are parts of me and Nick Reynolds, too. Someone said all writing is autobiographical. <laughs> um, there are men like this everywhere, and uh, we all know them. Uh, and yet there are a few contemporary novels devoted to men like this and the people who care about them. Uh, so I wrote this book, and I hope it will speak to a lot of people and serve as a reminder that no matter what our challenges are, there's always an opportunity for renewal. So let me ask the question, Don, is there a price for success? And, you know, we hear the phrase over and over again, selling your soul for your career and working so much that you spend more time with your colleagues than perhaps with your family. At what cost does that come? Yeah, Nick Reynolds, the main character, sees just about everyone as a threat. Um, Mm. He approaches every day as a battle to be won. He's tough, uh, he's relentless, and he becomes a very rich and powerful man, but he does pay a heavy price for his wealth and his power. He becomes a bully, he becomes estranged from his wife and his children, he's a physical and emotional wreck, and he becomes desperately unhappy. Um, He becomes a slave to his persona, Uh, he becomes trapped by his own success. Um, And I think we know folks like this. Um, Finally, when he's forced to take a sabbatical and take a step away from his everyday world, he then finally begins to see things more clearly. And uh, he realizes the only person keeping him from being happy is himself. Mm. Um, I don't want to give the ending away. No, please don't. Yes, please don't. (laughs) Um, But I'll simply say that once Nick realizes that he alone is standing in the way of his own happiness, he can finally begin to change. You know, I think that is poignant because that it follows suit in the career world, right? And the life, just very simply, we are in control so much of our own happiness and our own destinies, but we relinquish that control. And I love that the character had some enlightenment after a sabbatical, because yeah. quite often we don't give ourselves time to get quiet enough to really consider what's important. 
Yeah, that's right. And for him, it takes uh, uh, summer off, uh, which he was certainly not planning. Here's a guy who hadn't taken a day off in 20 years. Um, but it took that and, uh, and the kind of separation that he needed to get away from his everyday life. Um, he works for a, for a great company. A lot of us work for great employers. Um, I certainly had the good fortune of working for one, but sometimes companies expect too much mm. from, from their people and, and employees usually out of an interest in advancing our own careers are willing to give too much and we compromise ourselves. And in some cases, sadly, um, even destroy ourselves. Uh, I don't blame companies for that. Uh, they exist to make a profit, after all. Uh, and most of us want to do a great job. Uh, the trick, though, I think, is to know when enough is enough. Right. Well, to draw the line on what we're willing to give to our employers. The more we give to them, the less we have to give to others and to ourselves. Um, no company is going to say to its employees, you know what? You've been working too hard. Take some time off. <laughs> right. uh, we have to know our own boundaries. So, yeah, Nick Reynolds, uh, the main character in Drive, um, not only didn't pay attention to his own boundaries for years, he expected far too much from his employees, too. Th this happens. It happens all the time. Um, but that doesn't have to be the case. Uh, eventually, Nick learns a new way. He decides to make some changes. And he does that without needing to leave his company. Uh, I think if there's a hero in the story, it's not Nick's company. It's Nick. Mm, yeah. Uh, companies take care of their bottom line. That's what they do. Uh, and people have to take care of themselves and not rely on their companies for more than they can give us. Yeah, the, it's fascinating to me. When I look at the world of HR, there's a lot of data and research and study going into employee engagement. And I firmly believe as a career coach out there in the trenches with professionals, we can't wait for our company to develop us or put boundaries out that are livable for work-life integration. We have to take that responsibility. Absolutely. And... Sadly, not enough of us, I think, are taking that responsibility. Um, burnout is uh, a huge threat, uh, right. maybe the single biggest threat to, uh, to building an engaged workforce today. But all the surveys show how burnout is sabotaging, sabotaging workforce retention, right. and yet how organizations, despite the documented cost of that and, and that employee turnover, are still more apt to invest in recruiting new employees than retaining existing talent. What does that tell us? It, it, employers have a huge responsibility here. Um, and, and, and most of them agree that, that improving retention is a critical priority. Um, and, they, and they have to be willing to invest in, in helping solve the problem. But the reality is most employers aren't doing that. Right. And I would argue that at least half of the solution uh, lies within us as individuals. Let's say that every employer, for example, were to give employees a four-day work week, um, a 20% pay increase, and two extra weeks of vacation. But despite that, employees didn't change the way they thought about and approached their work. Burnout would still be an epidemic. Mm. Uh, so I say a big part, if not the biggest part of the solution to employee burnout is within our control. Do you think that Drive is a commentary on, on corporate life, Don? Have any of your colleagues that are still ensconced in the corporate world giving you any any feedback or reaction to the book? <laughs> they are indeed, and, and uh, I think it really res it's re resonating with them, with a lot of folks. Um, it is not a commentary per se on, on corporate life. As I said, there are a lot of good companies out there, but it is, I think, a comment on 
how we react to that corporate life and what we do within that corporate life. I, I use my own career as an example. I, I spent 31 years in, a, in high pressure jobs for a very successful and a very great company, um, but I was burned out. Uh, and I ask myself why. Uh, and it's tempting to blame my company uh, or the nature of the type of work I chose to do, which is public relations. Um, but if I'm honest with myself, uh, my burnout was was largely self-inflicted. Um, I had convinced myself that, as we said at P&G, consistently exceeding expectations was the secret to my success. And so I became an Iron Man. Mm. I, uh, I took on every assignment because my job demanded it, and getting ahead depended on never saying no. And I became a vice president. But but at what price? I was a wreck. Um, I was overweight. I had to take blood pressure medication. Uh, I worked uh, seven days a week. Um, I had become uh, estranged from my uh, my friends, um, and so uh, it took a real toll on me. Um, and it wasn't really until I retired uh, that I was able to kind of see things more clearly and understand that uh, uh, it was really uh, me at fault, uh, not so much my company. And I was able to take control again. It's sad in a way, um, uh, or sobering anyway, to think that you might have to retire. And I don't think that has to be the case. I think that we all have the opportunity for self-reflection and to think about and understand what really lights us up and what our boundaries are and to go after those things that we love uh, without burning ourselves out. So that's the perfect segue to the next question, Don. Clearly, you gave yourself permission to reevaluate and reassess upon retirement. But I'm hearing you loud and clearly say, don't wait. So what's yeah. the what's the first baby step of advice that you would give people, men and women, who are workaholics, admittedly, and don't know how to get off that treadmill? <laughs> yeah, I... I don't have a formula. There's no, probably no formula, no panacea here, and, and you could do a hundred different things, I suppose, but I think it's important to start with a few things, and, and here are the few things I would suggest. If I were working full-time again, these are the things that I would do uh, to take more ownership for how I spend my time. I, I'd first be clear, uh, clearer than I was about what's most important to me and, uh, and what I will and won't sacrifice. I just kept going, right? I kept going, and the... Uh, the impact of that is just to add more stuff. It becomes an additive process. Every day you add more, it's cumulative. Uh, and I never really took the time out to say, what's really most important to me and what am I willing to leave on the table? So that's the first thing I'd do. I, I'd meditate for 10 minutes every mm. um, my My days were crazy. Most of our days are crazy. I, as I said, picked a profession which is inherently crazy. And I needed to acknowledge that and, and to say, you know, how can I create some buffer against that? How can I create some peace and ground myself? Just 10 minutes a day uh, in the morning would have helped me tremendously, I think. I, I needed to take better care of myself. Uh, I'm running half marathons now, uh, wow. which is terrific, uh, and I'm, I'm doing reasonably well at that. But you know what? That didn't happen overnight. Um, I had to go from zero to, you know, to this, and it took, it took me years, frankly, to, to get back in shape. Um, if I had simply worked out 30 minutes a day or 30 minutes every other day uh, during the course of my career, I, I could have been in great shape and uh, I kind of fortified myself, if you will, but I didn't do that. Um, I would take better care of myself, including nutritionally. I grabbed lunch at my desk all the time. I lived on coffee. Those were bad habits. Uh, and I'd be more humble. I did good work. I like to think very good work. Uh, but you know what? I was hardly indispensable. Um, 
P&G, my former employer, is still thriving just fine without me. <laughs> so those are the kind of specific things I would do and commend to anyone to help avoid burnout. Don, I want to thank you for joining me today on Your Working Life. I am so inspired by how your career journey was a resource for your fiction writing and really served as a way to process your career experiences. And I know all of us have learned some valuable lessons today. And I want to remind the audience, your book is called Drive, and it's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you and I both know that you can also walk into a brick-and-mortar Barnes & Noble store and order it right then and there, and they will ship it to your home. So I hope that our listeners will check it out, and I wish you continued success. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be with you. Hey, if you'd like to subscribe to the show, check it out on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a comment or a review and let us know what career-related questions you have and we'll address them on a future show. As always, you can reach me on Twitter at cdowdhiggins or send me a direct email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening. Oh, 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 oh,